0: Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads Community Church, our vision is to awaken the city of Pittsburgh and surrounding areas by creating cool places to experience God in local neighborhoods throughout Pittsburgh and beyond. Now, here is this week's message. We're going to start a little bit different this morning. Uh, We're actually going to start off I want to pray. You guys know Donna. She's not here, so we're going to talk about her. Uh, I just want to pray for her because she has some medical complications going on. I'll just leave it at that. And, uh, you know, if you were here last week when we talked about, you know, the spiritual gifts and prayer and the Holy Spirit, God still heals people today. uh, That's if we still believe what his word says, and we do. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, and we're going to pray for her before we get started. God, we just, as a uh, congregation, we just come before you. Uh, And just ask your blessing, your healing, your encouragement uh, on Donna. We pray that you would be with her uh, through the medical processes that she's going through. Uh, We pray that you would be with her family, ease their concern and their anxiousness. And we just pray uh, that uh, on the other side of this, that she would be able to look back and just testify what a mighty God she serves. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, as we get started, we're continuing in a series called Supernatural, where we are discussing the supernatural aspects of God, those things that are normally either misunderstood, not believed, or they're taken to an extreme, or they're just, for lack of a better term, Hollywoodized, which is now a word. Um, and we come to, we talked about the Trinity, we talked about angels, we talked about uh, the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to go into the, into today, uh, kind of tie in the Holy Spirit with another topic that often gets confused, and it is, am I not on? Okay. There you go. Okay. All right. Um, we'll work through it. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about prayer. And first thing I want you to know is this is probably going to go fast Not because I'm rushing through it. It's because in addition to caffeine, I also drank some of Nick's Mountain Dew Red. So I'm kind of shaking at the gills right now. So forgive me if I sound like I'm rushing. But um, prayer is not only a spiritual act, but it's also a passionate act of God. All right, Whenever you are uh, in a relationship with someone um, who you love and care about, the most intimate thing that you can do is give them yourself. And that's what God does to us. He gives us his Holy Spirit as an act of intimacy and his passion for us. But it's also a spiritual act because when we pray, we are spiritually connected to God. Uh, But when we pray, it's a spiritual thing. We are able to connect to, talk to, and hear from, not just talk to, but hear from, uh, a God who we can't see, a God who is bigger than the universe, universe that he created, but we're able to connect with them. Now, um, here's the thing. One of the re- main reasons why people, uh, and I hear this all the time, you guys probably do if you talk to people in your circle of influences, that they get a little confused about prayer is because, not because a horn goes off, but usually because when you're talking to people about prayer, they'll say, I don't hear anything back. Have you ever talk to someone they say, I don't hear anything back. I don't feel like I'm connected to God. Usually, it's one of two reasons. One is that there is, for lack of a better term, uh, no intimacy uh, with God. Um, now, God hears everything, okay? It, you don't have to be a Christ follower because before we were Christians, we called out to God, asked him to come into our lives, and he heard that. But once you become a Christian, you have this intimate connection with God through his Holy Spirit. And some people, like we talked about over the previous week, some people are praying or they're thinking they're Christian, but they're not really connecting to God. They're just spitting out words that they were told to say. Or they're just saying what they think, this is what I'm supposed to say and they're not even expecting to hear anything back. And there are other people who do it but uh, because they don't have that spiritual connection, they. it's kind of like they talk to God, but it's kind of like picking up the phone and there's no dial tone. And for those of you who don't know what the dial tone is, there's generations today that don't know what a dial tone is, but there's no bars. All right, when you pick up the cell phone and try and talk to the God, there's no bars. You get no signal. That's what they feel like, and so they're still talking and praying, even though they know and think and believe there's no one on the other end. So in a minute, uh, we're going to go through um, a, a specific passage of scripture. But for right now, um, I want you to follow along on the screen because Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, has a lot to say about prayer. And in almost every letter that he wrote, he comments on or mentions or encourages prayer to the people that he was writing to. He started off uh, writing to the church in Ephesus. And as he was closing out his letter to them, uh, this is what he writes. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 18, he says, pray at all times on every occasion in every season. Now, see, that should be a signifier right there because most of us, We will pray when we need something, when we're in trouble, you know, when the when the tire goes flat and we're late for work, or when a child is sick, or uh, something comes up that sparks us to, Well, I can't handle this, maybe God can. But what Paul says is pray every season, every occasion, good times and bad times, happy and joy when the pirates are winning and when the pirates are losing. Pray. And he says, on every occasion, in the spirit, and he's basically saying, access that holy spirit connection we have to god it's like god giving you a bat phone please tell me you know what a bat phone is okay all right thank you god's giving you a bat phone uh, so you can connect directly to him and if you're not using it you're kind of wasting uh, like we talked about last week the holy spirit that god has put in us he says in the spirit with all manner of prayer and entreaty to that end keep alert and watch the strong purpose and perseverance interceding In behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. So Paul is telling the church at Ephesus that you should be praying on every situation, in every occasion. There is no time or situation or occasion where prayer is not appropriate. Okay? Uh, He tells the church, and he had a a close relationship with the church in Philippi. And so in the book of Philippians chapter 4, he puts, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And we talked about this last week, how We as Christ followers, if we have God's Holy Spirit in us, we should be the happiest people on the planet, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the culture that we're in. But because we have an intimate connection with God, the creator of the universe calls us by name. There's nothing that should make us that upset or that troubled that we can't stop and give thanks and praise to God. But he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And this is key. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, everything that you're going through, when you get the job, when you lose the job, when you have money, when you don't have money, in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. And he even tells us what happens when we do that. When you do that, he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And we talked about this last week. This is how, in certain circumstances where we think, wow, I don't understand why I'm not losing my mind because things are going out of control. But if we are praying and connecting to God, then this supernatural, for lack of a better term, peace can surround us and allow us to persevere through that situation. Uh, he tells the uh, church in Colossae in the book of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2-3, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. That word devote, I think in the King James it says continue in prayer because uh, the word devote literally means to be constant in or continue in or to, to do at all times, being watchful and thankful. And here's the key, he says, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now, this is interesting because it's not just pray when you need something. We need to be praying for the people that are out there, not just because we should be sharing and showing the love of God in our circle of influence, but he says to pray for the other churches that are out there like, we, like we've been doing. Pray for the missionaries like we've been doing. Pray for people who are intentionally going into areas to show and to share the love of Christ. It may be areas that we can't go into, whether it be for financial reasons or other obligations, but they're going, and we should be praying for God's peace for them, God's protection for them, that God would provide the resources, all the resources that they need. Uh, And we shared a letter from one of our missionaries um, who had been going through some medical problems, and we should be praying for her, that that would not stop her from doing what God has called her to do, to share and to show the love of Christ in that country. Um, he goes on and he says, to, in First Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 4, he says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Not just for the people we like. Not just for the people who can do good things for us. But for everyone, and this is key, and, you know, we don't do politics, but this is key. He says, for kings and all those in authority, not just for the people that you voted for, not just for the people that you wanted to win the election, but for whoever is in authority, whether it be at the municipality level or the federal level or the state level, at whatever level, we should be praying for those people in authority. Here's why. So that we may live peaceful and quiet lives and all goodness and goodness excuse me, all godliness and holiness, this is good. And he goes on and he says, and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. When we pray for other people, uh, our prayer shouldn't just be, you know, hey, I hope they get the resources, I hope they do with this. But we should be praying that people come to know the truth about who God is. Because in all of our circle of influence, whether it be work or school uh, uh, people that we hang out with at the grocery store, the gym, or whatever, in all of our circle of influences, we probably each know someone who could use God in their life. Is, is that Does that sound true? I mean, I don't know your circle of influences, but we probably know someone who could use God in their life, who would be blessed by knowing that there is a God who loves them, and despite their circumstance, that God can see them through it. Or just the fact that, you know what? God loves you enough he wants to spend eternity with you. There are people in all of our circle of influences that would be thrilled just to know that. All right? Uh, So clearly, God puts an emphasis on prayer. He puts an emphasis on us being able to and continuing to, in every circumstance, connect with him and being able to relate with him. Now, I'm going to walk you through a, a passage of scripture, and we've been through it before. Some of you are familiar with it. If you have a Bible, pull it out and open up to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. Now, despite what a lot of people, uh, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, and we'll have someone uh, bring your Bible. There should be one under your seat to the left or right or front or back of you uh, somewhere. But... Um, In this passage of scripture, a lot of people take uh, a lot of stuff that happened in the Old Testament because it was a little spiritual, spiritual things happened, uh, as as not being true. They take them as stories or uh, allegories or parables. But these are actual facts that are recorded, just like we have our history as the United States of America, we have our history recorded. These are actual facts. This is the history, things that, historical events that took place in the nation of Israel. All right, so in 1 Kings chapter 18, I'm going to walk through this, and then I'm going to kind of uh, summarize what's going on. Drop down to verse 16, and we're kind of starting in the middle of this, but I'll come back and tell you what's going on. It says, so Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you? you troubler of Israel. Now, let me just uh, quickly give you a little bit of background before I continue. Um, uh, there's, there's this thing taking place where Ahab has become king of Israel, and he's married to a woman named Jezebel. And they are really not followers of God. So they institute practices that say, hey, well, you can do this, and you can do that, and you can do all these other things. I won't get into detail about them, a- and worship God this way. Instead of worshiping the true God, you can worship this stool because God is in the stool. You can worship this podium because God is in this podium. And they created these things called Asher poles, and they put up these false houses of worship, and they instituted some very ungodly practices as ways to worship God. And the people, because they weren't continuing in prayer and connecting with God, they were hearing someone say, well, this is how you worship God, and they just followed along. And lost touch with God. That's a a, a brief summary of what was taking place. In verse 18, he says, I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. And Elijah is a prophet of God, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now, the Baals were, uh, for lack of a term, that was another false god that the people worshipped because... Ahab had said, this is who we're going to worship. This is the one true God we should worship. And all the people, the entire nation, fell away from worshiping Jehovah, the one true God, and started worshiping false gods. And verse 19, this is what it says. says, Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Basically, what's going to happen is this. He's going to say, hey, I'm going to show up because I believe that God, Jehovah, is God. And you bring those people, those false priests, and we're going to have a good old-fashioned showdown. Anyone watch Iron Chef? Anyone watch Chopped? Basically, this is, without the food, a good old-fashioned showdown. Me against you. We're going to see whose God shows up. Because here's the thing. If you're looking for God, he should respond if he is God. And you can make a side note in your Bible. If you're praying to or following a God who doesn't respond, stop. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Stop. If he's not responding to you, uh, then you're wasting your time. And what he was telling them is, hey, you know what? Let's go see which God shows up. All right, drop down to verse 20. Verse 20, so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Elijah basically says this. He said, hey, here's the problem. Uh, Your God isn't responding, but we're going to see which God shows up. And here's the thing. Whichever God answers, let's follow him because that's God. If it's Baal and Baal answers, let's follow him because that's God. But if it's not, if it's Jehovah and he answers, let's follow him because that's God. Drop down to verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get too bold for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut them into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And that capital L uh, with a small capital O, capital R, capital D is he saying, I'm going to call on Jehovah. Here is the name of my God. That's who I'm going to call on. I'm going to call on the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all the people say what you say is good. And that's basically what he says. He says, we're going to have a good old-fashioned showdown. Uh, God, if you have a God, not only should you be able to answer, but he should be able to answer in a spiritual or a not natural, a supernatural way. And he says, we're going to see which God shows up, and we're going to see which God answers. All right, verse 25, Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. So he says, you guys go first. I'm going to give you the courtesy of you guys setting up and calling on your God first. And then he says, call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull, given them and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal. From morning till noon, O Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Now, most theologians uh, kind of believe that this took place either prior to or about 9 a.m. So this is when this started. It wasn't like a, hey, we're going to start in the afternoon. This thing started in the morning. Verse 27, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Now, they have been dancing for a couple of hours. And they have been, anybody ever watched any of those shows like I Think You Can Dance? Or, or like America's Best Dance Crew or any of those dance shows? So just imagine on a Saturday afternoon a dance marathon. Well, that's all you're watching is all this dancing going on. They're dancing around the altar, calling on God's name, and nothing is happening verse 27 at noon Elijah began to taunt them shout louder he said surely he is a god perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened so they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice but there was no re- no response no one answered. No one paid attention. And I don't know if you have a note in your Bible, uh, but where it says he was busy or traveling, uh, the language translates into, try to say this in a clean way, it's not he was busy, he was doing his business. In other words, he was on the toilet. What number he was doing on the toilet, it doesn't say. But here's another note, and, and you can write this down in your Bible. If your God can't answer you because he's on the toilet, probably not the god you want to worship if he's too busy doing that to respond to you not the best god to have all right so elijah has been taunting them and he's going on and then verse 30 elijah said to all the people come here to me and they came to him and he repaired the altar of the lord which was in ruins verse 31 elijah took 12 stones one for each of the tribes descended from jacob to whom the word of the lord had come saying your name shall be israel Verse 32, with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it, large enough to hold two sears of seed, which is somewhere, and I'm not good at this whole translation thing, somewhere, it, it, it's, it's a dry measure, like a bushel, uh, and I I, I'm from New York, so the word bushel means nothing to me, but for those of you who have that farming background and know how big a bushel is, that's, that's how much the trench he dug could hold. He arranged the wood, and he cut the bowl into pieces and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. And uh, I have read this verse, this passage, this, this, this account so many times. And only when uh, it was a couple uh, months ago when we went to a worship um, conference did it really hit me, the significance of what he was saying. So I'm going to ask Austin, come up here for a minute. Because the part of the story that we didn't read is there was a drought on the land. There was no water. The drought lasted for years. I think it was three and a half years. There was no water. They had climbed up a mountain. Any of you guys ever been up on Mount Washington? Okay, And you ever taken the incline down to Station Square? So imagine walking up that, not via the incline, not via the nice little road or stairs, but walking up the mountain. There is a drought. Can you go grab the pail of water from the back? So the water... He told people they had to go down the mountain. They had to fill the buckets with water, which first they had to find because there was a drought. It's not like there was a, a river flowing at the bottom of the mountain and water was plentiful. There had been a drought in the land, and this is at the end of the drought. So the water was hard to come by, and the water was precious. If you think about once gas hits $4, and think about if you you know you're filling your car and somebody accidentally pulls it out and it just spills all over the floor, not only is it dangerous, but that's a lot of money wasted. So they had to bring a bucket of water, which was extremely precious because of the drought. And just put it up here. Just hold wait there one second. So Elijah, uh this is, this is the thing. He said, fill four large jars, there were four of these with water, and pour it on the offering in the wood. So they poured it out. Then he said, do it again. So can you carry this back and then bring it back? No, stop. All right, I'm good. I'm good. You can go sit down. You can go sit down. But that's basically what they did. He said, do it again. They had to go back down the mountain, wherever they found the water source, bring those jars back up the mountain, and then he poured them out again. He said, do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it the third time. And the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. So this precious commodity, which was extremely valuable, he was pouring onto an altar, which would be like wasting it in their eyes. 36, at the time of sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and he prayed. Notice he didn't just call on the name of the Lord. They used the word he prayed. And this is key. He said, "O oh Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. His prayer wasn't for, hey, God, I want to be known. I want you to do this. He said everything that I'm about to do, God, I'm doing for you because I serve you because I know you, and so that others may know you as well. And that's one of the things that Paul was saying. When we pray, granted we're praying for God heal us, God provide for us, but it shouldn't be just for us. It should be so that people in our circle of influence that look and say, weren't you just sick on your deathbed last week, and now you're up walking around? Yes, because there is a God who loves me. Weren't you just broke and penniless and they about to take your home yes but everything's okay because there is a God who loves me it's not because of how good we are but it's because of how good God is to us and our prayers should reflect the fact that we want other people to know that there is a God verse 37 answer me O Lord answer me so these people will know that you O Lord are God and that you are turning their hearts back again Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them there. Now, heres I've often heard people say that this shows the cruelty of God because he allowed these people to be slaughtered. But it's not that God commanded them to be slaughtered, but it's that the people of Israel, once they realized that we had been wasting our time praying to this God that didn't exist, it seems to me, this is in my opinion, that they didn't want anything to separate them from experiencing God. Once you when you pray and you're getting nothing back and you're like, I don't even know if my prayers are going up and and you dread going to pray again is a totally different thing from people who pray and feel God's presence and know he is there and interact with him. Like that song says that Nicole Norderman sings, I know my redeemer lives because I spoke with him this morning when you start your day after speaking with the God who created the universe that morning. A flat tire isn't going to matter that much. The fact that your work is piling up isn't going to matter that much because you just spoke to the creator of the universe. So here are a couple of things I want to ask us as we uh, begin to close. And the first is, who are we praying to? And this is is one of those questions where um, uh, you have to start and think, well, this goes back to what we talked about last week. Do I have God's Holy Spirit in me? Am I going down, am I saying prayers because uh, when I was younger, this is what my mom or my dad told me to say, and I've been saying them ever since, and I'm trying to speak to someone who's up there, but I have no dial tone, I have no connection, but I just keep saying these words, but I don't know who they're going to. It's one of those things where when Elijah prayed, he didn't just say a random prayer, he said, I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I know who I'm talking to. And the other question, another thing to ask yourself is, do you have already a relationship with God? Because there are some people when, and I don't know about you, when I talk to them and they're like, I don't feel like I'm praying. As we dig deeper, finds out, well, no, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't have that relationship. I just assumed because I came in the church that my parents grew up in that now I do. And no one ever communicated to them that that doesn't cut it. That God is not just looking for you to follow in your parents' footsteps. He's looking for you to be in relationship with him. And that only happens when we acknowledge the reason that he sent Jesus Christ is so that we could be in relationship with him. And Jesus Christ gave his life. He died to wipe away all our sins, everything that separates us from God, so that there is nothing in between us connecting with him. And when we say, hey, I acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for me, that his death wiped away all those sins, all those transgressions, everything that separated me from God, and I not just say it, but I believe it in my heart. Then God tells us that He puts His promise seal, like we talked about last week, His promise seal, the Holy Spirit, in us, and we are connected with Him. And so, the one of the questions to ask yourself: Am I just following the ritual uh, that my parents set up? Do I just have a relationship with the church building? Because that's where my parents went. Or do I just have a relationship with, lots of people have this, uh, a denomination. My parents were this denomination, so I am this denomination. So that means I have a connection with God, even though I never stepped up and entered into relationship with him. And some people even say, you know what? I know the Bible inside and out. So I have a, re- it's good that you read the Bible, but you also need to talk to the author, it's good that you know and have memorized all the verses, but you need to connect with the God who wrote them. And some people have never taken that step. So do you have that relationship with God? And here's the other thing. Don't be afraid uh, um, to make public proclamations. Don't hide your relationship with God. I know there's, our culture says if you're out there and you're praying to God or you're talking to God or whatever, uh, that you're not supposed to do that. And I know many of us, lots of us, We go out to eat, we go to restaurants, we go to places, and we're kind of, especially in schools, we're, we're afraid to bow our heads and say a prayer before a meal. We have the blessing of, don't know where this is going, but right now, being in a nation where you should not be criticized for doing that. And we need to take advantage of that. And every time we go out somewhere, give thanks in every situation. If you are fortunate enough in this economy to be able to go out and get a meal, even if it's only off the dollar menu for McDonald's, which I hit up all the time. No, I don't, Christy. But even if it's only at the dollar menu at McDonald's, thank God. Bow your head and say, thank you. I praise you, God. I pray they put some extra cheese on it just for me. Thank God for that. All right? Don't be afraid uh, that you're going to get criticized. And also, here's the thing. Expect... God to show up, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know that there are many times when we get down on our knees, and we we assume a posture, or we bow our head, or we clasp our hands, and then we say something to God, and then we leave because we don't expect a response. Prayer is not a one-way conversation. It's where we are interacting with God. Just like if you sit down with your spouse, and you spit out, here's what happened in my day, and get up and leave because the conversation's over— that's not going to last for very long. Normally, you would have an interaction. God wants the same thing. He doesn't just want us to sit down and spit out a list. He wants to interact with us. So expect to hear from and receive and be connected with God through his Holy Spirit. All right? There's a video I'm going to show you um, that talks about the power of God's Holy Spirit. And while that video is showing, here's, I want you to just think about these questions. Think about the last time you prayed. Was it something where you just sat down and you just spit out words and walked away? Or were you expecting to connect with God via his Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask the band to come up, and we're going to create some space uh, for us to engage God right now. And as we do, again, just just take a moment and and think about your relationship with God. Is it one where you consistently interact with God? Or is it one where when you pray, there's no dial tone, no bars, no connection. You just kind of pour yourself out like water and then you walk away saying, I'm done. Hope God got that. Because God gives us His Holy Spirit because he, he wants to hear from us, but He also wants to speak to us. So I'm not sure to bow your heads right now. God, we just ask that right now, we would use this next few minutes that, that your spirit would speak to our spirit. That if there are issues that 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 maybe we've been either not bringing to you because we didn't know if you could handle them or maybe issues that we kind of brought to you but we walked away not expecting you to respond that you would speak to us about those right now. God, we also pray that uh, those of us that have been over the last couple of months have we've been talking about sharing and showing the love of Christ have been praying for individuals in our circle of influence that you would open a doorway for us to just kind of share and show the love of Christ to them. Pray that you would bring those people to our mind right now. We thank you that you don't bring us into a closed door relationship. But you open the doors wide for anyone and everyone to come in and fellowship with you. God, we also want to thank you that you allow us to be the vessels that you use to show your love to a desperately hurting world. To a world that desperately needs to know that there is a God who loves them unconditionally. God, we pray now that you would begin to break down those walls, break down those barriers, break down those things that are stopping us from being able to connect with you. For those of us that have doubts on whether you're able to hear us, I pray that you would begin to remove those doubts and just speak to us right now, God. For those of us that are in a place that maybe we haven't initiated that relationship with you, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and let us know that you're just right there with open arms waiting. God, we thank you so much. We give you praise and glory and honor for everything that you have blessed us with for things that we can not see things that we haven't seen down the road we praise you for the obstacles that you've moved out of our path we never even knew they were there because you intervened on our behalf god we pray that we would never ever forget the lengths that you went to to bring us into relationship with you one person said that if we have to, that we preach the gospel to ourselves every single day, that we get up in the morning grateful and blessed and thankful that you died for us. God, we also pray that we make the most of every minute that you give to us. Whether it be connecting with family members or friends or just being thankful that we have a job to go to. that as your word says, that we do everything as unto the Lord. We do it with joy, we do it with thanksgiving, we do it with gratefulness, and we do it with a praise of you on our lips, God. And God, we pray for every other uh, church and, and local congregation in this area. We pray that right now that you would be speaking to them, you would be blessing them, you would be pouring out your spirit on them and that they would be eager and waiting as well to be your vessels to connect with their circle of influence. God, we praise you that you give us your Holy Spirit, the most powerful thing in existence on this planet. It's not the government. It's not military. It is your church. God, and we pray that we would honor and respect that and the most valuable asset that you give to your church is each other. And we pray that you would begin to break down the walls that separate us. God, over the next couple of weeks, as we continue to talk about prayer, we pray that as we leave this place, that we don't stop thinking or praying, that we go throughout our days and weeks on and on, just looking for instances where we can give you praise and where we can connect with you. And we give you praise. We give you glory. And we give you honor. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us so that we could spend eternity with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen, amen. Listen, just really quickly, as before we leave, as you go through the next few days and weeks, and I know I've said this before, just ask God to put on your hearts and minds people in your circle of influence who you can go and share and show the love of Christ to. And again, it's not about trying to get people into this building, but it's about revealing God to people so that they can be in his kingdom. And just quickly, to, again, the quickest way to do that is to share what you know. Don't worry about memorizing the Bible. Share what you know. Share what you can show. Your life is the greatest resource God has given you to show to other people your transformed life. And, of course, don't be afraid to go. Ask God's Spirit to strengthen you and lead you and open doors and He will. Other than that, just pray that God will bless you. Pray that you have an awesome week. A very special prayer for the Pirates because they really deserve to be in the playoffs after almost 20 years. So keep them in prayer uh, and have an awesome week. God bless.